my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. That we can, and so help us God, we will make America great again. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the No Gimmicks Podcast. I'm your humble host, as always, Brady Leonard. Hopefully, you guys had a fantastic weekend. A uh, great show for you today. I was joined by Ezra Wyrick, uh, and we basically just tried to wade through the uh, aftermath of last week's election. Obviously, that's what's uh, on the forefront of everybody's minds. Uh, we tried to make sense of it all, and, and we talked a little Trump versus DeSantis and, and, and everything. Uh, I think you guys will enjoy it. Uh, guys, before I get to Ezra, if you haven't already, please follow us on Twitter at NoGimmicksPod. Please subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to subscribe. If you are an Apple user, please take a few seconds to leave us a five-star rating and a good review. I'd really appreciate that. And if you like the show and want to get involved, you can support us monthly over on Patreon, patreon.com slash the No Gimmicks Podcast. All right, without further ado, the great Ezra Wyrick. All right, guys, we're here with Ezra Wyrick. Ezra, thanks for taking the time, brother. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. So we have a ton to get to. We're, we're just going to wade through the aftermath of last week. Obviously, it's what everybody's talking about. Um, and on my show on Wednesday, last Wednesday, it, it, the election results looked like it was a massive disappointment for Republicans, a major loss for anybody who cares about liberty more generally. And boy, oh boy, it's looking now uh, a lot worse than I thought <laughs> it was even possible to be uh, even a few days ago. Republicans did lose the Senate. Um, Laxalt and Masters in Nevada and Arizona both lost. Um, Democrats got got their 50 regardless of the Georgia runoff. And to be honest, I'd be shocked if Herschel Walker wins down there anyway. Um, mm-hmm. It's looking like Republicans take the House um, maybe only by a vote or two, which is honestly a, a disaster. Um, and that's not even a guarantee. Um, Republicans mm-hmm. will lost governorships, including Arizona, where Carrie Lake looked like she was going to win, but very unlikely at this point. And we'll get to all the yep. reasons why um, this happened the way it did. But first, how surprised were you? I mean, I, I predicted a couple weeks ago that Republicans would pick up 35 and three. So I look like a moron right now. Uh, how, how shocked were you last week? Not terribly surprised. Um, I said I said before this election that this was the best electoral opportunity, the greatest electoral environment for a party in a really long time, and if there's anybody that could screw this up, it's the Republican Party. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, and everybody seems to have a, a, a very strong opinion on why this happened. Um, and the funniest part to me, maybe it is because I'm an anarchist, so <laughs> watching just about everything happen, I, I understand why people are <laughs> pissed off left, right, and center, but everybody ha- is holding a very strong opinion on why this happened, and they're all correct. Mm-hmm. They're all completely right. I mean, that, I mean, they're they're wrong that their their preferred reason is the only reason. But just about everybody's right. I mean, folks are blaming Trump mm-hmm. correctly for being. There a is no wrong answer here. There's no wrong answer. I mean, Trump's being a 80 year old man child who's made himself toxic to any voter besides white dudes. <laughs> you know what I mean? And uh, he in helps, South Florida in in South Florida, and he, he he helped all these inferior candidates through the primaries. People are rightfully blaming Mitch McConnell for the establishment having no message whatsoever and then refusing to help the the more nationalist candidates, people like Blake Masters. Uh, people are blaming mail-in voting, which is totally fair, blaming the, the corporate media propaganda. Obviously, that's always a factor. 
Um, you know, you get a little bit of the the more autistic Republicans blaming like the the LP candidates and stuff like that. I haven't really seen any evidence mm-hmm. that that any mm-hmm. libertarians actually played spoiler this time yeah. around. But I mean, surely there's a, a little bit of truth to that. I'm sure. Um, everyone's to blame. <laughs> so I'm not I'm yeah. not sure why everybody's arguing about this. There's plenty of blame to go around. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, uh, there's multiple different directions you could point the blame for this underwhelming performance. Um, I, th- I think I have two that that I'm pretty confident about pointing the blame. I think, number one, this was an exercise in the utter incompetence and ineptitude of the Republican Party, particularly the Republican establishment, Mitch McConnell, Kevin McCarthy. Um, it's not enough to to tell voters these policies suck. Voters can already tell when policies suck. Right. In order to win elections, you have to tell voters these policies suck, and here are some policies that don't suck. You have to have a platform. And the National Republican Party does not have a platform. They don't have anything other than this guy sucks, vote for me. And that's not enough for the average independent voter. Right. And it's, it's a tough sell, too. Um when obviously inflation and the economy is, is the number one issue. It's the economy, right. stupid. Obviously, we're looking at double-digit inflation right now. We're looking at a, mm-hmm. a depression. I think. I mean, we're already in a recession. We're looking at something worse. We are. We're um, headed toward the economic brink for yeah. certain. And I think number two, you have to um, you have to look at Mitch McConnell. You have to look at Kevin McCarthy. Um, I I believe that Mitch McConnell would rather remain minority leader than to have to actually do something. I think Kevin McCarthy would rather, Kevin McCarthy wants to be speaker, but he doesn't want to have to do anything as speaker. Republicans don't want a mandate. In the Senate, they don't want a mandate. In the Senate, they don't want a mandate in the House. There's a very simple reason for that. Because as long as you don't have a mandate, as long as you have the slimmest of majorities, You can say, well, we don't have the votes to get this passed, but elect more of us, elect more of us, and we'll get this passed. But right now, we don't have the votes. You can appeal to your lack of power in order to try to gain more power. In reality, Republicans in the House and the Senate, Mitch McConnell, Kevin McCarthy, they don't want to have to do anything. They don't want to have to take on the tough issues. They don't want to have to introduce legislation. They don't want to have to get the establishment Republicans on the record on a number of issues. They want a stalemate. They what they want is gridlock, gridlock, because that means that they can appeal to their lack of power in order to try to gain favor with the voters. I mean, I wish we got gridlock, but we're not even going to get that. Uh, I mean, I was the... hoping for gridlock. Honestly, <laughs> I think that's the second best outcome to liberty. Yeah, I don't know who I mean, said that, but that's a really good quote. Yeah, I mean, it's just not. It, it doesn't really happen with the modern GOP because you know they're they're probably going to take the house by a couple seats. But that, the great a, thing about the great thing a, about taking the house by a couple of seats is that people that well not insignificant but on on the real you know big scheme of things insignificant people uh, like Thomas Massey all of a sudden they become significant. If you have three votes or four votes or however many votes separating the parties, you've got to get everybody on board in order to get something passed. You've got to get everybody on board for resolutions. You've got to get everybody on board for bills, uh, for spending. And this this is an opportunity for the so-called Freedom Caucus of the GOP 
to really be a thorn in the side of the establishment and really show if they're all about freedom or they're all about going along to get along. The flip side of that, though, I mean, you're, you're right on that, but the flip side is that a majority of this slim is not a real majority because— uh, not really. I mean, obviously, Nancy Pelosi and, and the Democrats, Chuck Schumer, they can, they, they're very good at whipping votes. Obviously, Democrats, it, it, you know, a lot of Republicans have that collectivist mindset, too, but Democrats Absolutely. are collectivists. So, you know, you, you get you have Ilhan Omar voting for trillions of dollars. I mean, like Ilhan Omar would vote to send 50 trillion dollars to Ukraine if Nancy Pelosi, Pelosi told her to. OK, I mean, like Democrats. Yeah, but she would. She and her, the rest of her progressive caucus would send a strongly worded letter. Don't right, worry. right. But, I mean, you know, if you're a Democrat, you just fall in line. Republicans Zero don't. Zero And a lot of Republicans, they like the, the, uh, the, the term bipartisanship, right? Like, so you'll get five or six Dem- or Republican congressmen to peel off and vote for Biden's spending, you know? And obviously Absolutely. the Senate is a moot, moot point at this point. So it's like— I think the Democrats are going to be able to, to get some Republican votes and just continue this downward spiral towards essentially the end of the U.S. dollar. Um, it's it, it's it's going to look rough. It's going to look rough. And and you're, you're totally right about, about the lack of messaging in the establishment. But honestly, if I had to put my finger on the, the, the largest factor for this disastrous midterms, it would be Trump. Um, and but like I said, I, I blame everybody else, too. But I think Trump is the, the, the biggest factor that hurt us the most. I mean, Trump's candidates didn't just lose; they they all underperformed. I mean, they underperformed kind of non-Trumpy candidates by wide margins. Like where I'm from in Ohio, J.D. Vance won, but he underperformed Mike DeWine by 20 points. Like mm-hmm. Herschel Walker underperformed uh, Brian Kemp by over 10 points. You know, mm-hmm. even incumbents like uh, um, uh, uh, Lauren Boebert out in Colorado, she should have. It's like a R plus eight district, seven or eight. Um, and she won by one-tenth of a percent, right? I mean, just all of the Trump candidates are just wildly underperforming. Um, mm-hmm. Trump has devolved into an absolute liability for the GOP. Um, and that sucks because we need the GOP to beat the Democrats. I mean, step one is is beat the Democrats. I mean, that's the, the most pressing issue in front of us. And Trump is keeping us from doing that. I mean, this isn't 2016 anymore. Trump is so toxic. Um with voters, especially with women, that he's just an anchor on all these candidates. Absolutely. And, um, you know, they say that a, a, kit, a kicked dog yelps. And what Trump is doing with his statements, going after Glenn Youngkin, going after Ron DeSantis, going after any potential 2024 contender that could give him a run for his money, um, it just shows that he understands Uh, obviously he wants to be president again, and I expect he will announce his candidacy. Tomorrow, right? Didn't he say it's like this week? I I think it's the 15th tomorrow, which would be Tuesday, a week after a disastrously under, a disastrous underperformance for the GOP. So I think the plan was, uh, you know, based on polling, based on how everybody was feeling, I think the plan for Trump was we were going to have a massive red wave we we're going to have 53 seats in the Senate. We were going to have 230 some odd seats in the House. He was going to come out and he was going to take all the credit and he was going to say, look at what we're building and we're going to continue to build. And I'm announcing my candidacy for 2024. Yep. Now that message doesn't look too hot, does it? Yeah. I mean, his the plan was to jump in front of the parade <laughs> and pretend that mm-hmm. he was leading the parade the whole time. Take all the credit. But when there's no parade, I mean, man, I, I, 
you never know what Trump's going to do, but like, how how is that, how is that going to land? There's no way that's going to land, even for hardcore Trump fans. Like, how do you, you know, you're, you're trying to take credit for what a one seat majority in the House? <laughs> you know what I mean? When you should have won fifty. I mean, it's, you know, I, I wonder if he's thinking about postponing this. I, I wonder if there's anyone around him. It, it seems like he's always just been surrounded by yes men. Um, or just regime actors trying to undermine him, but but out of office, I assume he's just surrounding himself with yes men. Uh, but I, I can't imagine. I can't imagine that's going to land. I can't imagine that's going to land this time. I don't think it will. Um, I mean, if I'm the Republican Party, I'm blowing Donald Trump's phone off the wall, telling him not to announce for the presidency tomorrow or uh, this year at least. Like, let's take a step back. You know. Obviously, they have to kiss the ring, but at this point, if they want to win in 2024, Trump cannot be the guy. No. And I think the Republican establishment recognizes that very well. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, I do not believe that Trump can win in 2024. I think he loses to Joe Biden. It doesn't matter if Biden is completely incapacitated, which is looking more and more likely. Two years Mm. is a long time when you're 80 and have late stage Alzheimer's. Okay, I mean, honestly, like it's. I've, I've been through this with a, a grandmother recently. I see how, how fast this, these kinds of things progress, unfortunately. Um, it, but it doesn't matter. I, I just do not think—I think last week proved Trump can't win. I mean, this is how—think tr- about the state of the country and think about the agenda of the Democrats, right? Like, the, the Democrats just run on abortion, transing the kids, and spending the country into oblivion. I mean, Trump is so toxic that Americans voted for the next Great Depression— the end of the American energy sector, the destruction of their savings and 401ks, endless mm-hmm. cash to Ukraine, and chopping off the genitals of small children. Okay? How unpopular? Like, that's the thing. Trump fans, listen to me. How unpopular is Donald Trump? That, that, that's pretty darn unpopular if people yeah, are willing to vote is. for that. Absolutely. And uh, I think I saw... Um, I forget where I saw it the other day, but I mean, look at John Fetterman in Pennsylvania, yeah. uh, to, a guy that, you know, the stroke victim defeats the doctor. Right. And yeah. don't get me wrong. Dr. Oz, terrible candidate, total sure. snake oil salesman. But John Fetterman should not be winning that race. Yeah, um, I mean, it doesn't matter how bad a candidate Dr. Yeah. Oz is. He's a functioning adult who's also a yeah. doctor. Yeah. I mean, like mm-hmm. you can't the, the fact that Fetterman won. I mean, one, it really shows you the state of the of democratic voters and i hate mm-hmm. going after the voters themselves but they they kind of prove they'll they, they just hate the right they hate the voters so the, much the voters are the source of the issue yeah the voters are the source of the issue and um i mean it's it's quite a choice right do you vote for the party that nominates candidates with brain damage or do you vote for the party that loses to candidates with brain damage yeah i mean it's uh, look at least one bright spot maybe you know Biden would replace Kamala with John Fetterman. Just re- just put it out there. Put all your chips on the table, Democrats. Like we are the the party of mental illness. But I mean, look mm. at Florida, man. Florida was a clean sweep. Mm-hmm. Ron DeSantis because, re- because Ron DeSantis had a message. Yeah, and he did That's what he said why. he was going to do as well. Like he's like, I'm this conservative governor. I'm going to govern like a conservative. He did, and everybody liked it. He won Hispanic. He won 58 percent of Hispanics. I mean, he really... Uh, he won I'm, 60% of the vote, which is 60%. absolutely unheard of. Yeah. Like, I don't think that's happened since at least the 1800s. I could be wrong. Like, no, I a think Republican you're right. getting 60% of the vote in Florida. No, and you're right. I, I believe you're right. I think this is a direct result of the fact that he did have a message. He did hit the issues. 
I mean, and also, not only did he have a message, but he had, um, he, he not only had a message, but he also had a record to run on. Right, right. So that was a big factor, for sure. Yeah, and, you know, like, like you said, he carried the state by 20 points, and they flipped, I believe, four um, Democratic congressional districts red, and that turned out to be the difference in the House. I mean, <laughs> Ron DeSantis single-handedly salvaged something for the Republican Party last week. Uh, the House doesn't flip red without him. Um, and I want this fight. I want this Trump-DeSantis fight. Um, because if we're going to stop the Democrats, it's going to take Ron DeSantis taking on Trump and beating him. And he's doing the right thing by keeping quiet. I don't think he's responded to any of Trump's stupid attacks, um, which is smart. Pick, you know, pick pick your moment. But um, it's going to take a, a, a heavyweight title fight, man, between DeSantis and Trump. DeSantis is the only guy that can beat him. And if we're going to win, if we're going to end this reign of terror by the Democrats in 2024, it's going to take... DeSantis stepping up to the plate at some point here in the next year or so, taking on Trump and beating him. And I, I don't know. I mean, it's it, you're facing the end of the political right in this country if he fails, I think. I mean, it, not, I mean, not permanently, but if Trump's the nominee in 24, I think it sets Republicans back a decade, probably. Um, and then what does that do? What does that do to the American economy? Obviously, I want to take down Republicans, too. I want to stop a bunch of bad Republican policy, but if we don't yeah. stop the spending, if we don't stop this economic policy, we're not going to have a country to save it's like, moving it's forward. It's like the choice, it's like the choice between uh, do you want to go into the deep fryer and be fried quickly by the Democrats, or do you want to slow roasted, slow, be slowly roasted over a fire by the Republicans? That's pretty much your choice. Well, I, I choose uh, B, because... <laughs> I live in the real world and own a business. I have my first kid on the way, um, mm-hmm. so I do care very deeply. About, Congratulations! Uh, oh, thanks, man. Way. Thanks, I appreciate it. But uh, so it's you know, I and I get hate mail from from fellow anarchists and stuff all the time. Why do you support Republicans? This and that. I don't because I live in the real world. I live in a Democrat-run major city. You know, mm-hmm. I'm about to have a kid. Like I ca- I care about. Rea- I live on Earth. You know, I would lo- I would love mm-hmm. to just uh, you know take Murray Rothbard's imaginary button that ends the state entirely and press trust me i'd be the first man on on earth to sprint towards that button and hit it as hard as i possibly can absolutely but unfortunately, that's not with a jackhammer if with a jackhammer yeah with an ar-15 but um unfortunately that uh, such a button does not exist so we have to kind of play the game that that we're involved in um, we have to play with the cards that we've been dealt unfortunately yeah yeah i wish a lot of things were different but uh unfortunately they aren't I just, I, this is an IQ test for Republicans, man. Like, you can't, I, I can't imagine looking, and, and Trump is losing a lot of support, too, and I hear from a lot of, like, hardcore Trump supporters who I've talked to privately who are, they're done. I mean, they're, you know, they're over it, they're ready to move on, but there are a lot of Trump fans that are holding on. I just can't imagine living through last Tuesday, <laughs> watching Florida, and then watching everywhere else. And thinking, yep, Trump's the guy. Like it's it's this collectivist, ridiculous mentality. It's it, it's essentially Republicans behaving like Democrats, which drives me crazy. Oh, absolutely. And um, I mean, it's, it's not just that. I think attacking DeSantis and attacking attacking Youngkin and going postal on people that are popular uh, that actually you know won unlike Trump and unlike Trump endorsed candidates is not popular with his, even his uh, most ardent supporters are not likely to support him in a 
fight against DeSantis because they understand DeSantis hasn't done anything to Trump, and Trump expects absolute loyalty like a mobster, and he's essentially the mob boss of the Republican Party. You don't give absolute loyalty. You don't kneel down and kiss the ring. You're out of the conversation. And uh, I think at the end of the day, the average Republican voter, even the hardcore Trump fan, has half a brain. They're not going to they're not going to stand for that. And uh, obviously they're not going to just abandon Trump. But I think they're going to be, you know, give him a gentle push like, yeah, this isn't it. I was talking to a a fellow libertarian who's been on this podcast several times. Uh I'm not going to say I'm not going to say his name, but um, real smart guy. And he's just I mean, he's down bad. He just he's like he's convinced that. It's just going to be bad <laughs> for 10 years. And, and Trump is going to ruin everything. He's going to ruin the GOP. He's going to ruin any chance of any semblance of libertarian policy seeing the light of day anytime soon. And he essentially still believes that Trump is so powerful <clears throat> that, you know, if DeSantis runs against him, he's going to just try to ruin DeSantis's career, try to taint his name. And, and just tear it down. And even if DeSantis beats him, he'll just try to run. Trump will run third party or run independent, and and you know, play spoiler. Like, play spoiler. And and I'm like, one, I refuse to adopt this like defeatist <laughs> mentality. It's like, no, man, I I refuse. I refuse to be held hostage by Donald Trump until he. And this this guy, this political commentator, who was making the case to me. Mm-hmm. Privately, he said, "You know, we basically just have to. Republicans got to do whatever Trump says until Trump eventually dies." I'm like, "No, man. Like, I'm not. This is not. I, I'm not going to be held hostage until Trump dies." Okay. Yeah. At, what, at what point does a political institution stop being a political institution and start being a cult of personality? Whenever you're letting one guy run the show and everybody just capitulates to his every, you know, his every whim. Yeah. And and also, I don't even think any of that's true. I think the worst thing in Trump's mind is embarrassment. Right? He hates. He's a he's an eighty year old billionaire. He hates so he defeat. Does, he hates defeat. And he hates he hates embarrassment. Uh, but most of all, he hates losing. Right. He doesn't want to lose. But I think if DeSantis humiliates him in in the primaries, he's not gonna. Trump's not gonna run third party. He knows. He's like as crazy and delusional as he is, he knows he couldn't win. He knows that's never happened before. I mean, he could try to play a, a Teddy. But he Roosevelt. might do it. He might Maybe. do it just to play spoiler because that's classic Trump. But it would turn all of his fan. Everybody would hate him. Like the whole MAGA movement would. would I don't hate really him. think he cares. I don't know. He cares deeply what other people think about him. He pretends he doesn't. But he. Does. I mean, he still cares what the corporate press thinks about him. You know, when CNN is mean to him, he's you know he he has to lash out and defend himself. It's like. Man, if you can't ignore, if you yeah. can't just ignore what Democrats are saying about you, I, I don't even know what to do with you at this point. But I don't think you he's going to do the the Teddy Roosevelt against Taft thing and, and play spoiler. I just that would be so embarrassing for him because he'd end up with twenty percent of the vote, right? I mean, he'd be he'd get destroyed. Um, so I I don't know. I I do think I I simply think that DeSantis has the skill to get up there and beat him, beat him head to head. What you worry about with Ron DeSantis is the possibility that he could be influenced by the establishment. You worry the people that could be whispering in his ear. Um, Obviously, from his time in Congress, I mean, he seemed relatively solid. But um, 
if you get into that position, you've got all kinds of pundits, you've got all kinds of uh, friends of friends of friends in the political, uh, you know, the political realm whispering in your ear. You've got you've got a lot of people, a lot of interventionists, a lot of Keynesians. You've got a lot of people that uh, don't have the right ideas whispering in your ear. And I worry that he would be more vulnerable to that. I think if Ron DeSantis wins the presidency, uh, it's the responsibility of everyone that cares about liberty and cares about freedom to make sure that he is surrounded by people that also care about liberty and care about freedom. He needs to have the right people whispering in his ear, and he needs to have the right people in his corner. Right. And I think he could be a great president. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, I think I'd be more worried um, about foreign policy with a DeSantis uh, than economic policy. I, he, he has been, because he, he was in Congress, he was a Tea Party guy, he, seems he was in Congress to, for six years. I mean, don't get he me wrong, just understand like, economics. like any other Republican governor, he's a uh, he's a big spender. Right. Um, I don't know how much that translates on the federal level. I think he kind of gets it on the economic front. Uh, you won't call out the Federal Reserve by name, but then I could probably count on my 10 fingers how many Republicans will call out the Federal Reserve by name. Um, but I feel like bold messaging, such as DeSantis brings to the table, that's something that's something that the voters are looking for. They're looking for a message. They're looking for someone that actually has policies to conflict with the policies that obviously are not doing too hot right now, and uh, because they are they're setting themselves up to fail with these policies, and they want alternative policies. And if DeSantis can bring that to the table, if he can have a strong message, if he can have the right people in his corner, it could be a good it could be a good presidency. It could be a great presidency. Yeah. And I, I think we can count on Trump beclowning himself even more. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's going to stop. I mean, and the, the thing is about Trump, too. He's calling DeSantis Ron DeSanctimonious. He uh, his only insult he can come up with against Glenn Youngkin was. His name sounds name Chinese. Sounds Chinese. I mean, it's I mean, like it's not even what? good. It's not even what good even material. I think I honestly think the 2020 broke Trump. I think it just broke his brain, man. He went from one of the most powerful forces in modern American politics to like a whiny, petty child. I mean, the, the lashing out at DeSantis and Yunkin. It's 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 crazy. He's acting like a wounded animal. Not that wounded animals aren't dangerous, because they are. But it's mm-hmm. he's not. He's not on the top of his game anymore, man. I, I, I need Trump supporters to realize Trump this. Like, is dangerous, but he's more dangerous to the Republican Party right now than the yeah. Democratic Party. Yeah. Everyone in the Democratic Party, from pundits, from politicians, to people in the know, in the beltway, they are praying to every god they can think of mm-hmm. that Donald Trump runs for president. They're, they'll donate to his campaign. They literally will. They yeah. will get him over the line in the primary because they know— that they can beat him. Yeah. They know that he's vulnerable, and they know that he will never cease to stick his foot into his mouth and just completely alienate uh, any independence or anyone with a semblance of moderacy. And Republicans were real cocky, you know, last week. They're saying, mm-hmm. oh, see, Democrats, look how stupid they are. They donated to all these, you know, nationalist pro-Trump Democrats candidates. Democrats knew what they were doing. They, it worked. They knew exactly what they were doing. It worked. They it gave worked the Masters. Like a charm. Blake Masters lost. Don Bolduck lost. Uh, Mastriano, the Pennsylvania guy that they donated to, he lost. I mean, all, all these guys, the, you know, the, the candidates, the Trump candidates that <laughs> Democrats propped up lost. They all lost. 
So, mm-hmm. I mean, I, a little bit of humility from the Trump camp would go a long way. I, I just mean the Trump voter. I, Not going to happen. You're never going to get humility from Trump and Trump's camp. I just mean the the MAGA voters. Just read the tea leaves, gentlemen, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Read the room. Read exactly. the room. It failed. Trump simply failed. And we just have we, we have a better option. Like, if you're, a, if you're on the right, whether you're a libertarian, a, a, even just a typical, like, center-right Republican, whether you're a conservative, DeSantis is going to be better than Trump, doesn't matter who you are. He's going to be better on economics. What, what were Trump's economic policies? He cut taxes. Good on him. I support that. He blew out spending. He locked down the, the entire economy. He Huge handed, protectionist, used tariffs. Yep, which just um, essentially raised abused, taxes on consumers. Abused tariffs, uh, which, by the way, the American people have to pay for. Yep. Very protectionist, you know, um, trade policy, abused tariffs. And he was also, you know, very much all about trade wars and all about, you know, getting at other countries on the trade front. What he didn't understand is whenever you get at other countries on the trade front and you disrupt free trade, what you do, guess who's paying the tab for that? You and I. Yeah. Not China. No. Not Mexico. No. The American taxpayer. And he attacked uh, Brian Kemp in Georgia for opening up the state too quickly in April mm-hmm. of 2020. I remember, I remember it very well. I am not happy with Brian Kemp is exactly what he said. Yep. And he said that because Brian Kemp opened the state early after locking down. Yeah. And I mean, just juxtapose that with Governor DeSantis, who uh, he did lock down Florida. He made a mistake, you know, March 15th. And a week later, he realized his mistake and opened up the economy again. And he rectified he, the mistake. He and everybody he admitted what he did wrong, and he changed. Everybody chastised DeSantis for his decision. And yeah. he made the right decision. He got it right. He was probably the only governor in the country that got it right. Yeah. And is DeSantis going to be Ron Paul in foreign policy? No. But is he nope. going to hire John Bolton like, <laughs> like Donald Trump did? Depends he... who he has whispering in his ear. It's you know, looking at the people around Trump during his presidency in regards to foreign policy, you're talking about John Bolton, you're talking about H.R. McMaster, you're talking about these uh, Mike. You're talking about freaking Mad Dog Mattis. Mad Dog Mattis. You're talking about these these failed people guiding foreign policy. Even if DeSantis isn't perfect, he's going to be better than that. Obviously, the culture war stuff, which is, I mean, it's it's not just I, I hate even calling it culture war stuff because it's important. Obviously, he pushed for and got past the. Uh, parental rights bill in Florida, which you know brings transparency to government schools for the first time ever. Uh, you're talking about the the anti-transing the kids stuff. You can't, you know, child a, a healthy 13 year old girl's breasts off DeSantis's in Florida anymore. victory, right? I think that DeSantis's victory proves that culture warriorism is actually popular. Right. As right. long as you do it right. As and long look- as you're smart about it. It's actually popular. It actually resonates with the voters. Even going past that, it seems to be even more popular with Hispanics than with white people. At least oh, in absolutely. Florida. I mean, if you look Hispanics at the Hispanics are very much socially conservative, very yes. much on board with social conservatism. Yeah, I mean, if you have a guy who, I mean, he won Miami-Dade County. <laughs> okay, I spent a lot of time Un- in Miami-Dade of. County. It's unheard, unheard of. of. He, Didn't he, won, he win Palm Beach County? He won Palm Beach County. He won Duval County. He came somewhat close to winning Broward County, for goodness sakes. I mean, if, if you have a guy that can win a swing state by 20 points, who can win a majority of Hispanics, who has been very right-wing, 
on just about everything. He's spent money, you know, like uh, to clean up the Everglades and some of this like kind of big government spending stuff, which I mm-hmm. don't like. But on the on the, the flip side, you know, as a governor, you have to you're working with a balanced budget. So it's not like he's deficit spending. He's you know, using money allocated to him. Um, and obviously, uh, Florida also doesn't have a, a state income tax either. Um, so he's doing all that without stealing more money from his constituents, which is respectable. Um, it's just like if you go down the list, what what's the case? Like I, I, I'm really struggling to put myself in the perspective of a cult-like MAGA guy who just won't accept the fact that Trump is done. It's like moving forward to 2024, I don't think anybody can make the case. I don't even think Trump's kids are making the case that Trump would beat Biden easier than DeSantis would in 2024. So like, there's no way you can make that case. But what what could possibly be the case for Trump running again? I, I just I don't see it. I can't think of one. Um, then again, I don't have the cult like mentality. <laughs> um, so maybe I'm a little lacking in that area uh, as opposed to the hardcore conservative pro MAGA crowd. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting, man. It'll be interesting. And it'll obviously be interesting what Trump has to say tomorrow night. We'll see if he—apparently his speech is still I on. I fully anticipate he will announce that he's running for president. Yeah. And I'm very interested to see how it's how it's received. I mean, uh, some of these um, exit—they po- did exit polling in a lot of these states asking voters who they wanted, uh, who they would support in 2024. And in a bunch of these states— DeSantis was actually ahead of, obviously in Florida, but in a lot of other states too, he was actually ahead of Trump. And I forget who, uh, I'll, I'll tweet it out once I find it, but uh, who, which pollster commissioned this, but um, they had, they did a national poll, it came out I think on Saturday that showed DeSantis at, at something like 42 and Trump at 37 or 38, something like that nationally among registered Republicans. So um, I think, I think last Tuesday really opened a lot of eyes, man. I, I'm hearing it personally. I'm seeing it on on Twitter, not whatever that's worth, (laughs) you know, Um, but I think it's going to open a lot of people's eyes, man. If you take a giant L like this, if you blow maybe the best opportunity in modern history as the Republican Party, just you can't double down. Please, ladies and gentlemen, do not double down on Trump. He failed. You can love him for what he did as president. He did some great things, did some bad things. You know, you can love him for ending the Clinton dynasty. I sure do. I mean, that's. Thank goodness. I mean, I can't imagine what what the country would look like right now with with Hillary Clinton as president. Um, but politicians have moments, man. His moment is over. It's it just it. That's how it happens, and it ends quick. Mm-hmm. You know, I, you have to you have to accept that the moment is over. The first part of you know moving on is moving on and accepting that you know this is over. Maybe from some people's perspective, it was good while it lasted. But it's over. Yeah. It's over. The era of Trump is over. I guarantee he will never be president again. I don't think he will. I, I don't think he can win. It would win. shock me if he were. And if the cult-like mentality comes through, if conservatives, if MAGA are able to push Donald Trump over the line with what will likely be a sizable contribution from Democratic donors, by the way, yeah. Uh, he goes on to the general. I think he gets blown out, frankly. Yeah. Because I mean, America, and not just America, Republicans, Democrats, independents, they're just tired of Donald Trump. Yeah. 
They're sick of Donald Trump. Yeah. And a lot of it's Trump's fault. A lot of it isn't. I mean, a lot of it is just the propaganda, you know, from the press. People are very susceptible to propaganda. Um, mm-hmm. You know, when you but a lot of over... it is of Trump's own making. Yeah, a lot of it is. And a lot of it is unfair. The Russia stuff, you know, all the, the, the nonsense, the steel dossier, all the insurrection and, you know, all, all this stuff, you know, that but it, people are susceptible to it, man. And it doesn't matter if it's fair or unfair. People have been effectively propagandized to over the last six years or so. People when... are very susceptible to propaganda and, uh, you know, perhaps even more scary People are even more susceptible to war propaganda. Oh. Oh. Um, I mean, look at the situation in Ukraine, where you have people that are literally willing to push the United States and the world to the brink of nuclear annihilation for the sake of Ukraine. That's a scary. That's a scary thought, and it just shows you how effective propaganda is. Yeah, yeah, and Trump's supporters need to accept the fact that. The reasons for Trump's unpopularity don't matter. It doesn't matter. No, he doesn't lost matter. His, he the lost bottom line the is he's unpopular and he's not going to win the presidency. And if you put him up, you're going to get clobbered. Right. And that's the thing, man. Like, it doesn't matter if he was if he was maligned unfairly, which NFL coach, old school coach said, when you lose, everything they say about you is true. <laughs> mm. <laughs> when you lose what they say about you is true man it doesn't matter why trump is so toxic with the electorate the fact yeah. is that he is mm-hmm. it, it doesn't matter you, the bottom line you can convince yourself that he did nothing wrong and that's fine as long as you accept that he's not gonna win like i don't care i don't care if you ever admit that trump did anything wrong just admit that there's a better way forward that, that's it. I don't care. You don't ever mm-hmm. need to eat humble pie. You never need to admit it to yourself or your wife or your kids or anybody. You can keep lying to yourself all you want. No skin off my back. But I, my family has a lot more money when Republicans are in office, so please help me out. <laughs> I got my first kid coming. I'd like to save up some cash a lot harder if Joe Biden wins a second term as president of the United States. So can we please, can we, can we just go ahead and nominate DeSantis? Can we, come on, can we skip the middleman, put up the guy that's going to win? Just goodness gracious! Look up, look up his 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 uh, victory speech, DeSantis's victory speech. Fantastic! The dude's a rock star. The dude's a rock star. And I'm not, you know, politician worshiping here. I know they're politicians all are made to disappoint. Yeah. So I mean, I would take it down a notch with DeSantis, but I mean, he's not giving me really. He's not really giving me any hardcore reason to think that uh, that he wouldn't be solid. Um, my thing, like I told you, is uh, who's whispering in his ear? Who's right. he listening to? Not just who's whispering in his ear. Who is he listening to? Who is he being told to listen to behind the scenes? And there are some things that Ron DeSantis has done in Florida that have been, uh, you know, I very much disagreed with. But if he can have a platform, if he can have a message, if he can have a record to run on, and they put him up in 2024. And if he takes a principled stance on foreign policy, and if he seems to get it on the economic front, I might vote for him. Yeah, yeah. And you know, with the Trump candidates, just get, you know, we can end it here. the The shocking thing is that you know, some some of Trump's endorsed candidates that lost were bad candidates. Doctor Oz was a terrible candidate. Um, Bolduc Horrible. up in uh, uh, New Hampshire, terrible candidate. Um, you know, some of these guys were just bad. Herschel Walker, my goodness. I mean, his, I mean, his previous professions were to receive concussions every few weeks for 25 years. I'm like, what? Like, okay, <laughs> why? Why is that? 
that's the best resume that you want in a, a potential senator? My goodness. But there were some great, like Carrie Lake in uh, in Arizona, I thought was a very good candidate. She was great on the mic. She just really handled the press. I actually Her, liked Blake Masters, and Blake Masters so was I. willing to reach out to the libertarians and yeah. very much uh, kind of, you know, still libertarian himself in some ways. Yeah, you know, he so knows Mises, uh, he's read Hoppe, he's read Rothbard. Like he was, you know, whether whether or not he's quote unquote still a libertarian or not, I thought he was. I thought he'd be a top five senator. <laughs> easily, easily. But the, the bar is not low. set very the high. Bar right, is, right. The bar is way down here. Right. But I think it goes back to Trump, man, because it wasn't just like Don Baldick was a bad candidate, right? Doug Mastriano, bad candidate. Blake Masters was a solid candidate. Carrie Lake, solid candidate. Absolutely. Adam Laxalt, solid candidate. Like we actually had some really well, Mitch great McConnell candidates. pulled funds from Masters, Masters campaign in Arizona yes. and gave them to um, let's see Murkowski's campaign in Alaska. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's so, inexcusable, and McConnell has to go. I think uh, Rick Scott, the Florida senator, is going to run against him for uh, minority leader. I hope if he you're, wins. If you're um, someone like the turtle, Mitch McConnell, if you're someone like Mitch McConnell, you don't want someone who's a potential squeaky wheel like Blake Masters right. winning that seat. You would rather stay in the minority than have someone like Masters win that seat, just the, the, being perfectly it, honest. One encouraging point is there are guys like Rick Scott, even Marco Rubio, who's like an establishment guy, um, saying, you know, we need to delay these leadership elections. Maybe it's time for Mitch to go. So uh, there is the potential that Republicans might not, you know, keep him as leader in the Senate. But uh, but once again, everybody agrees. Like all my friends on Twitter agree. Mitch McConnell's got to go, right? If whether you're a libertarian, a conservative, everybody, nobody likes Mitch McConnell. Yeah, but literally nobody keep, likes Mitch. McConnell. Nobody. I mean, he has like a twenty percent approval rating nationally. And Kevin but McCarthy got, is a weakling. But like, but I have to say this every time. I have to balance it out with this. As inexcusable as it was for Mitch to pull that stunt, Donald Trump raised over a hundred million dollars, and he only gave fifteen million of it, fifteen percent of it to his candidates when he was promising to fund their campaign. So it's like, exactly. it wasn't just Mitch. It was Trump doing the exact same thing. They were both mm-hmm. equally terrible Trump's last building week. that 2024 war chest, baby. I know. but So if you're pissed off at Mitch and not pissed off at Trump, brother, you've made some wrong turns in life. <laughs> you really have to examine yeah, yourself you to, and your decision-making process. You need to and take a U-turn when possible. Yeah, just course correct, brother. <laughs> it's okay. Admit you were wrong. And I'm mad at both of them. They were both wrong. It's okay to say that. You don't have to have this like, crazy tribalism. Like, my goodness, you can be pissed off no. at all sides here, and they all deserve blame. Uh, and any other points o- over this last week? Any Anything else jump out at you before we wrap it up? Hmm. Uh, not particularly. I think, uh, I think the election is the big story in the news. Um, not, nothing, nothing really jumped out at me. Um, there, there was the story about... A, some crypto coin or something of that nature that turned out to be a scam. Yeah, I'm going to get to um, that on Wednesday because I just was, started diving that into was, that uh, this morning. So. That was an interesting story, I thought, but I don't know much about it. I mean, just just say this. I think Bitcoin is pretty much the only form of crypto that is sustainable, uh, that you're not going to uh, lose your life savings on. You still might, right. but there's less of a chance with Bitcoin. Most of these other crypto coins... Yeah, it's like the goal. It's like the rule, right? If you if it's too sounds too good to be true, then ever then it probably is. 
Right. And that's the case with most of these cryptocurrencies, except for Bitcoin, which actually happens to have some form of stability. If you right. trust the U.S. dollar, you should trust Bitcoin because Bitcoin is probably stronger than the U.S. dollar. Oh, no, it's no doubt. Uh, I don't trust either, but it is stronger than the U.S. dollar at this point. I think that's mm -hmm. that's inarguable. But, man, Bitcoin did take – that was another – let me look what Bitcoin's at right now. I was watching it during the – as the Crypto election Crypto in general was in. taking a dive. It took – yeah, it was Tuesday, Wednesday last week. It, that, the floor fell out. Mm. Where's that now? Okay, it's back over 20,000. 26 yeah. so it'll go up and down yeah. the, the chart will look like some ride at disneyland yeah i mean during the midterm election results rolling in last week Bitcoin because was it's down to like sixteen thousand or something stable but not just because it's unstable i mean well you see that chart go up down up down if you looked at the chart for the u.s dollar it would just be a downward spiral all the way down since so when, i mean you since, can, since when you can since 1913 that's right <laughs> you that can right. look at you can look at the U.S. dollar and you can say, oh, this is totally stable. Oh, I don't want Bitcoin because Bitcoin's not stable. Look at the charts. Compare them. Bitcoin is stronger than the U.S. dollar by a long shot. Yeah. I mean, the dollar's stable. If By stable, you mean consistently losing value. Consistently losing value, consistently being worth less. Yeah. Ezra, my brother, thanks for doing this, man. Uh, let's do it again soon. Where can everybody uh, keep in touch, follow you on Twitter, all that good stuff? Yeah, you can keep in touch with me. You can follow me on Twitter at Ezra for Liberty. And I really appreciate you having me on. I look forward to doing it again. It's been a blast. Absolutely, man. Uh, everybody follow Ezra. He's great. That's all I got for today. I'm Brady Leonard. I'll be back on Wednesday. No gimmicks. Uh -huh.